welcome to Short Course, episode 35, for September 28th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week marks about two years since I started shooting a Tamfolio Stock 2 as my main competition gun, for reasons that we'll get into later. But I thought this would be a good time to, especially given the discussion two weeks ago on episode 33 about grips, to talk about guns and the different guns that I've shot in my competitive shooting career and what I've learned from each of them. So I've pretty much always shot production. When I shot IDPA for three or four years, depending on how you how you count it, when I shot IDPA for, for years, I shot in SSP. I never really shot anything else. And is I've always either shot SSP or production, just stock guns. And in my whole career, such as it is, since shooting my first match in 2009, I've only really shot three guns seriously in competition. And the first one was a Glock 17 Gen 3, which was the first gun I ever bought. It was, I mean, it's, I followed the standard device, right? Get a Glock. It's the, it's the universal everything. It's not amazing at anything, but, but it, it's fine. It does everything okay. And I liked it. It, it worked. It was simple, easy to maintain, swap parts in and out. I mean, it was a Glock. What is there to say? I shot that for a couple of years. I shot that all through college. And then when I, when I graduated and I decided that I was going to dedicate a little bit more time to IDPA, which at the time was, was my main competition hobby, which, so it was 2011 and I didn't start USPSA until 2013. So I shot the Glock in IDPA for a couple of years. That was the gun that I shot when the 2012 nationals, IDPA nationals were here in North Carolina. I shot it with the Glock 17 and honestly, I didn't really, there really wasn't anything wrong with it that made me switch. When I in the summer of 2012 or sometime in 2013, when I decided that I wanted to continue to get more serious about about competition, which at the time was still primarily IDPA, but I, the, the idea had gotten into my head of branching out into USPSA. And, and I started to think, well, if I'm going to shoot competition, I should I should have a dedicated competition gun. So get something like a five inch gun, get not a, a compromise, the Glock 17, but get a, actually get a, a gun built for competition. And, but I, you know, I still didn't want to leave production necessarily. And the whole idea of double single and messing around with gunsmithing and, and having to mess with trigger springs and all that still didn't appeal to me. And so I ended up switching from the, the Glock 17 to an MMP five inch an MMP Pro, MMP 9L, they, they've called it different things, but an MMP Pro 5-inch. And honestly, in retrospect, the main, the main reason that I was attracted to that at the time was I noticed that when I gripped the Glock and I wrapped my fingers all the way around so that the inside of my right hand was making contact with the, with the inside of the gun and my fingers were basically just wrapped around making as much contact with the gun as I could, that the knuckles on my hand, instead of being sort of flat against the front strap, they, they sort of went out at an angle. And so my fingers didn't really line up with the, with the front strap of the grip. And at the same time, it was a Gen 3. So it had the finger grooves and the finger grooves were just 
slightly larger than than my fingers really comfortably accommodated. And so it always felt like they were pushing my fingers apart more than more than was really necessary. And so I looked around and at the time there were basically three viable plastic guns, Glocks, M&Ps, and XDs. And everybody knew that XDs were junk and the M&P really genuinely felt nice in my hand. So it didn't have the finger grooves, so my fingers could be together, which felt stronger. And I, I think still is. I, I think that's a that's a valid improvement. I think removing the finger grooves from a Glock, if unless they already suit you, I think removing the finger grooves is a is an upgrade. But it also had this more rounded, egg shaped grip. So instead of being really blocky and square, the MNPs have this this more rounded grip, which at the time, I thought was an advantage because I felt like it fit my hand better. Since then, my my attitude has definitely changed in that I actually look at the the comfort of the gun mattering less and the real value being in maximizing the grip on the front strap of the gun, like we talked about on, on episode 33. And so I've actually kind of come full circle in, in thinking that I actually like the grip of a Glock more insofar as you can, if you grip it so that the, the middle segments of your fingers are flat against the front strap, not necessarily wrapping your fingers all the way around, but getting those middle segments on the, on the front strap, you get as much back to front control, which is how you control muzzle flip as, as you can. And so I actually think that's more of an advantage where now when I pick up an M&P and try and grip it the way that I grip, say my Tanfolio with these thick grips on it, there's just there's just a lot of space and there's not a lot of actual contact patch with the with the front of the grip. But, you know, in retrospect, it was I want I wanted a new gun. I, I wanted something cool. I wanted to feel like I was I, I was on a level playing field. I wasn't I didn't have a compromised Glock 17 I had. I was filling the box. I was I was taking every advantage I could get, which I mean, I'd done the same thing with the Glock 17 when I when I graduated college and I, I decided to, you know, get serious about IDPA. I'd put the extended mag release and the extended slide stop on it, and the slide stop came off after about two matches because it was so large that I didn't need it, and it would just cause the gun not to lock back. And I did end up leaving the extended magazine release on, but I sanded the corners pretty good so that it, it wasn't digging a hole in, in my left hand. But in both cases, I was kind of solving a problem that I didn't have. I didn't actually have an issue with either of those controls on the Glock, but I just thought, well, let me, let me use every advantage that's allowed by the SSP rules. And so I did. And at least in the case of the, the slide release in particular, it was not an advantage. It, it was a disadvantage, especially in IDPA where you're shooting the gun empty all the time, never knowing if the gun, if you counted your rounds wrong or the gun just didn't lock back was, was not helpful. And so that, that ended up coming off and I just went more back to the, the stock, Glock configuration. But all that aside, I got the MNP because I wanted a production polymer race gun, basically. And at the time, it felt more comfortable, and I thought that was good. I thought that would lead to me being able to grip it better. In retrospect, I, I ended up having some issues with that gun, and then eventually I got a, a backup gun. But the, the MNP Pro that I bought originally was, it had been shot up. It was it was it probably had 10 or 15,000 rounds on it. The guy who owned it before me was a competition shooter and he'd he'd seriously chewed up the magwell. He clearly spent a lot of time working on his his reloads and yet still had done some damage to the frames. So I don't know if he actually ever got good at them or not, but in my mind, this was around the same time that I also bought a 
three gun shotgun because my thought was, well, maybe I can just at least get get a shotgun and a rifle and, and maybe dabble and do a little bit of three gun. I that that never really ended up panning out, but I did the same thing there where I bought a heavily used, tricked out by a previous competitive shooter gun. And I mean, it's it's a fine gun, but it definitely it shows the wear. And those two experiences combined really changed my attitude now where I, I really I, I can't really recommend buying guns used. Especially when it comes to something like ten folios or shadow twos or something where people like to buy them and trick them out. Really, I, I've spent more time in my life undoing things that were done by the previous owner or dealing with problems that I didn't know were there. There was a, for example, on on this MMP Pro, I I don't know how they got the sights on there, but I ended up having to. It's the only time I've ever had to use a steel punch to get the sights out, and it must have been some kind of hydraulic press that the previous owner had installed them with. And it just, it was not coming out. Brass, aluminum, nothing. And so we ended up dinging the slide up, basically destroying it to get it out because I had to use a steel punch to get it out. And just all those little things. And you never know when you buy something used. And at the end of the day, I really didn't save that much money. I mean, I don't remember exactly what I paid for it, but it was a matter of one or $200. And when you look at how much time I dealt with either not knowing something about the gun or having to, to, to fix something about it, it just... I wouldn't do it again. At this point, my attitude is buy new, you know, it's history, you know, everything that's been done to it and keep it, keep it relatively stock. But then I'm, that's my attitude. I'd rather have to do the work myself and then know how to do it and fix it. And know what's been done to the gun than be kind of playing 20 questions with, Oh, I wonder if the previous owner did this, or I wonder if the previous owner, whatever. So at this point that, that really drove that lesson home. The other thing with the MNPs, you know, I liked them. They were they were good guns. They shot well. I, I had Apex triggers on them, and it, I was actually just playing around with it in preparation for recording this podcast. And I'd forgotten how nice it is just to have a three pound single action trigger pull right from the beginning. No no double required. There's there's something to be said for that. But I I had two different guns. They had two different points of impact. So one had to have a slightly higher front sight. And I'd put the the Dawson adjustable rear sights on them, which are great. I, I I mean they're they're exactly what you want: nice wide, flat rear blade, serrated, decent height, nice width on the on the rear notch, adjustable for windage and elevation. They they held their zero very well, but for some reason that I really don't understand, about three years ago, Dawson just stopped making them. I have the email from three years ago when I emailed and said, Hey, I noticed these are, these are out of stock. Do you have any idea when they'll be back in stock? And they said, Oh, Dave's redesigning the site and it'll be back up in the store when, when he's got the new design finalized. And I actually, I mean, I actually believed that for a while. And so I was holding out hope, but it was actually when my then girlfriend, now wife got herself an MNP pro and she liked the adjustable rears on mine and she wanted one for herself and she couldn't get one. And they just, they, they weren't selling it. They didn't have any and, and they weren't really that, that worried about it. And I started looking around and I realized that there really was nobody else making an adjustable rear sight for the MNP. There was one, certainly not like Dawson's. There was one other one from, it was one of these tactical sites where it's hooded and, and it's got the, the guards on either side. And I think it's only windage adjustable 
or elevation, but not windage. You have to, you have to drift it in the rear dovetail. And I just looked at that and I was like, no, I don't, I don't want that. And I just had this moment where it clicked. And I said, at this point I was, let's say I, I was probably USPSA B class. I'd made, I'd made IDPA master. So I was pretty, pretty involved with shooting. I was doing the the triangle tactical podcast every weekend, shooting a match almost every weekend, easily three, four matches a month. And I just had this realization that trying to make this, this duty gun, this gun whose main market is not competition shooters into a competition shooting gun. It's, it's just frustrating me more than it's, than it's rewarding me. And I'm, I'm spending more time trying to deal with either not being able to get sights for it or trying, you know, wondering, do I need to upgrade the barrel? Is the barrel from the factory good enough? Is there something else going on that's causing the the accuracy issues? Is are the reliability issues my reloads or the gun? And just just on and on. And I, I would just I just started to get tired of it. And somewhere around that time, I ended up proposing to my then girlfriend, who then became my fiance, and we were we started planning to get married later last later that year. And part part of the conversation that we had was she noticed this frustration and and she started asking me if, okay, if you were going to forget the guns that you own and you were just going to look and say, this is the gun that I want. This is the gun that's actually good for this division, regardless of whether you've got the gear for it, regardless of money, what, what gun would that be? And I kind of looked around this was summer of 2016. So shadow twos hadn't hit the market yet. We hadn't even, it wasn't even an inkling of a, of a thing. And so basically I thought I looked at, at what was out there. The polymer guns were still pretty much the same. I wasn't really that interested in going back to a Glock. I don't think the five inch PPQs had come out yet. And so basically the, the viable options were a CZ shadow SPO one or a Tanfolio stock two. Those, those were kind of the, the guns that were in the hunt. And I actually was very lucky to have a friend, Ed, who owned both of them and actually lent me one of each to, to be able to go to the range and shoot. And I liked the, the stock too. It, it felt more significant in the hand. Now, in retrospect, I realized that's because he lent it to me with the wood grips on it and the CZ had some aluminum grips on it that were thin. So even, even this two year quest that I've had for good grips on the 10 folio had its root in, in those those initial, that initial head to head trial. But anyway, I, I shot the 10 folio. I just, it, it felt better. I liked the, the slide serrations in particular, the, the front serrations on the stock two are dramatically better than the, than the SPL one, which is why on the shadow two, they made their front serrations much deeper, much more forward and just easier to grab. So they fixed that issue with the shadow two. But again, I was making this decision before then. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, like this is, this is the gun. This is, if this is what the national champ is shooting, if I can't do well with this, then, then I've got no excuses. So this is the gun. And we'd kind of talked about that and, and we were talking about, you know, getting one and, and maybe trying to find a, you know, a good deal on one, keeping an eye out on, on the local forums. And about, about two weeks, I think about two weeks before we were due to be married, she actually surprised me with a stock too. And she said, you know, this is, this is my wedding present to you. And 
she'd also gone to the lengths of getting it laser engraved on the side with it's actually with a with a heart with our wedding date on it which if you've ever seen any of the pictures that trigger pull photography has posted of me or that that we've reposted on my Instagram page or or anything like that if you've ever noticed that there's a laser engraved heart on the side of one of my 10 folios that that's why that was that was my wife's doing and it was her way of saying yeah we're getting married but this this isn't the end of your competition career this is just the beginning now you've got the tools to really take it to the next level so here's your tanfolio. Go win with it. <laughs> Which, I mean, to this day, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that. And every time I see, I see that engraved on the side of the gun, I think about that. And since then, you know, I got a, another one, I got a backup. But that one, that, that first one, I've still got a lot of rounds on, a lot of dry fire reps on. And, and it's definitely, it's a, uh, it's, it's the gun that really changed things because really after that, it really eliminated all the excuses. Like I said, it's it's the gun that if you're not doing well with it, it's definitely not the gun. And what really amazed me was I had gotten it in my head from years of shooting plastic guns that metal guns were expensive and finicky and you had to change a lot of parts in them. And when I first got the stock too, I kind of did a little bit of that. But the more time has passed, the more I realized that it really that stuff does not matter as much as I thought it did. The The guide rods and the firing pins, all that stuff, honestly... I don't think it really matters that much anymore. I mean, at this point, I'm running a, a stock firing pin and a stock guide rod and everything else is, is I mean, it's still pretty much in, in my IPSC configuration because I liked how the guns were shooting then and it wasn't worth it to change them since since shooting that the IPSC Nationals. So I've, I've tinkered with them a lot less than I thought I would have to over the years. And they, they really aren't that expensive. I mean, a, a stock two is 950 bucks, something like that in that ballpark. And one of the other things that tipped me over was when I was looking at the MNP Pros. If you take a $600 MNP Pro, put a $100 set of Dawson sights on it, if you can even buy them, okay, you're up to 700 bucks. Now let's say you throw in one of the fancy Apex barrels, because you probably that, that, that's the best way to get as close to a, a metal hammer-fired gun in accuracy. Well, you're up to an $800 gun now. You put in a $60 Apex trigger kit, now you're up to 860 and so really when I looked at it long term, the actual upfront cost of the gun, especially versus something like a an ammo budget of two thousand or three thousand rounds a month, the the amount of actual money spent on the gun kind of became less important. And I still I still take that attitude to this day. To me, I, I want not necessarily the, the gun that's going to cost me the least money, but the gun that's going to cost me the least time. I want the gun that I can buy change a couple parts on every year and just just go shoot. I don't want to be tinkering with it. I don't want to be messing with springs. I don't want to have to have to deal with debugging it. I just want to go shoot it. And so if I have to pay, which again, the Tanfolios turned out not to be that expensive. I've got two of them for the price of one STI limited gun. But in in the balance of things, if I can get a gun that costs a little bit more but saves me time, especially these days, that that's a trade that I'll that I'll make every time. And so that was that was two years ago. My wife and I just had our, our second wedding anniversary. And so that also coincidentally ends up being my second anniversary of switching to, to shooting the Tamfolio. And I mean it's certainly worth mentioning when she so I I made G or I made USPSA production master in February of twenty sixteen, shooting my MNP, and I switched to the 
Tanfolio in the fall, in September 2016. And it wasn't until April that I actually ended up getting my my G card. And there were a lot of other things going into that. Go back and listen to episode one where I talk about the whole process of setting a goal to make GM. And once the pressure was off, then I was actually able to make it. So I think that was much, much more mental than gear related. But it certainly reinforces the idea that just upgrading the gun did not make me instantly better overnight. And in fact, I I really, I, I was kind of underwhelmed when I made the switch. The, the main things that I found that I found impressed me about the, the stock two once I started shooting it was not so much the the weight or the the reduced felt recoil because I mean I, I gripped the gun fairly well. The gun the M and P was it would it would jump but it would return to to the point of aim. And so it wasn't like it was really slowing me down by being a, a light gun and that going to a heavier gun made me faster. That said, it is interesting that in the past six months or so I know two shooters that have made the switch from a Glock to a Shadow 2 with relatively thin grips, and they both have seen overnight improvements. And this is just my impression from sort of talking to them and, and talking about it, but I think that that really just comes down to the fact that that the way that they were gripping that Glock was probably like the way that I was gripping my Glock and just wrapping my fingers too far around. And so something about having a relatively thinner Shadow grip produces better grip mechanics and so they're able to shoot it better and have less low left hooking of the trigger and more pulling the trigger straight back that kind of thing but it is interesting that that some people do see that boost and and for whatever reason i didn't and at this point honestly looking at at the other production guns with the way that i've that i've developed my grip and the the changes that i've been making over the last year putting an emphasis on really gripping the front strap and with the right hand, that being the, the focus, not so much make, maximizing contact or maximizing the, the left to right squeezing, but just really maximizing that front strap grip and controlling the flip, trying to control that motion, that the Glock actually, to me, is is what I probably would shoot if I, if I were going to go back to a polymer gun, because it gives you so darn much available surface area on the front strap. Now, if it were something like a Gen 3 or a Gen 4, I'd want to take the finger grooves off. If Glock made a Gen 5 with without the finger grooves, with the magwell flaring, and with front cocking serrations in a Glock 34, I think that would be an awfully tempting gun. And and I really am kind of puzzled why they don't. I mean, the the big news this week was the the Glock 45 coming out, which is the 19-length slide with the 17-length grip with front cocking serrations, but most Glocks still don't come with front cocking serrations. I mean, Ruger, $400 Ruger Americans and Taurus PT whatevers, they come with front cocking serrations. There are little micro nines that come cut with front cocking serrations. And and really, it's still not on the Glock 34. I just, eh. anyway, I'm a big fan of front cocking serrations. That's one of the things I really like about the stock too. That was, that was certainly one of the um, selling points of it for me, especially over something like the M&P, which even even the M&P 2.0, the little tiny scallops are just a joke on there. They they need they need to really up that. But again, for whatever reason, it, it it's not it's not the product that Smith and Wesson wants to make. It's not the product that Glock wants to make. Springfield Springfield's always had pretty good front cocking serrations. Don't ask me why. They they at least get it. But at this point, those are the kinds of features that that make the stock too 
and and Tanfolios in general more compelling to me. It really isn't the the heavy frame or the weight or the bull barrel or or any of that, but just the fact that it's a big old chunky piece of metal. The front strap is pretty aggressively checkered, so I get a pretty good grip on that. Now that I've got some nice thick, aggressively checkered grip panels, where I can I can the gun is just really locked in. I I like the guns. They and, and they work out, and I I can't really. There's nothing now that I've got the grip situation figured out. There's really nothing that's that bothers me about these guns that would make me want to switch. And honestly, again, historically, I've only ever switched twice. And the first time, going from the Glock to the M&P, was really more out of boredom than than any actual real problem with the Glock. Like when I look at it, if I could have just if I could just go back in time and tell myself to skip the M&P crap, just get a Glock 34, brand new, out of the box, put the sights you want on it. If nothing else, well, I mean, maybe I would still be shooting it because Dawson does still make the rear sight for that. So who knows? That might be messing with the timeline too much. But I, I really, that's the decision I should have made. Buying a an old used beat up gun that didn't fit any of my holsters and turned out to be more comfortable than than what I actually needed, that, that, that didn't work out. But I ended up at the right spot in the end. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch, my email is podcast at barryshooting.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. Talk to you next time.